Our goal is to win, for Christ's sakes. And you keep talking about the CBT. You keep talking about prospects and your long-term goal. Like, you just basically told us we ain't good enough. We suck. You let us down. Angry Lou. Angry Lou. A hole the size of I don't even know what in that bullpen. Keep playing like dog Recall my manager, Lou. Go get me a goddamn first baseman. That's what I want. I don't want an outfielder D8. I need a first baseman. Okay, Lou, I'll ask you something. What? How do you go into the season without a closer? How do you not address the closer situation? Lou, what's up, bro? Good, how are you doing? Good. Well, it's always great to have you here, Lou. Let's go to the Harbor One Hotline. Where we'll talk to our friend Lou Merloni, the voice of baseball in Boston. Lou is brought to us by Shaw's and Star Market, where you can win free groceries in their Grand Slam summer sweepstakes. As my headphones just <laughs> broke, I called it that they were going to break. Lou, how are you? Uh, I am great. Finally, we got a beautiful day. I don't think it's supposed to rain. So yeah. I'm good. All right, Lou, listen, buddy. Yeah. Uh, here uh, we hold go. Hold on, hold on. I got a lot of heat from these guys about uh, the, you know, I don't even know what day it was. Was it Monday or Tuesday's game? When uh, Yoshida missed the fly ball to the left, it falls, it hits the light, it stays in the light, uh, it saved a run, but still, Yoshida did yeah. not catch the ball. So I sat there, and I looked at it multiple times, and, and my takeaway is like, man, he, he looks uncoordinated. He probably should have caught that ball. And these guys, all three of them said, no way, no way, text line, everybody killing me. So I also, <laughs> I also said, you know, we'll ask Lou on Friday. Lou will be yeah. honest. Lou's not a company man. Lou will do. Lou will be. Will shoot a straight. Should Yoshida have caught that ball in left field? This is how I would say it. Okay, uh, Masataka Yoshida. That is an extremely difficult, outstanding play. A good left fielder makes that catch. A good left fielder makes that catch. You know, because he's listen. He 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 hasn't really killed them out there. All this like your scouting report was like this guy's going to be horrible in left field. He hasn't killed you. It's just that there's plays like that that you don't expect him to make. He doesn't make, but, you know, a good left fielder makes that play. I, I, I think he should have made it. But there's a lot of those that go around. It's a tough play. Like the Red Sox, what are they, second in the league in errors? But they must lead the league in, in big league plays that aren't made. Thank you. Well, okay, did it talk to him about this? Did it mention it to him? Big league plays that aren't made by big leaguers. That's a. I mean, that was my thirty thousand foot view of like overall what's going on. Well, Lou, my you validation know, when I when I looked it up with Yoshida, it's like fifty games uh, out in left field right now. How long should that transition take? Because it's not like Yoshida did like the fact that Yoshida could win Rookie of the Year is kind of silly, considering he's the furthest thing from a rookie in terms of experience. But, Lou, you played with guys who also either could pick it really well or couldn't figure out the dimensions out there. It felt like Yoshida had a little bit of that going on. Can you kind of walk through the transition as to just why it is so difficult or why it's so complicated to play left field in Fenway when a lot of people, like Christian, think it should be pretty easy? Well, it is a smaller area, you know, so when you get into a smaller area, you got to make quicker decisions. So, you know, I always felt like, you know, you go back on the wall, it's like any other left field, you know, go back to the warning track, go back to the wall. But, you know, this line drives that a hit to you that you're so close to you, like, damn, I, I could probably catch this ball, you know, and then you run in and you short hop it or, or there's balls that are over your head that, you know, you're like, oh, it's going to hit the wall. And then you don't realize how much distance is behind you. So just because it's short 
you know, it's a short area kind of, that's what really messes with some people. But as far as how long would the transition take, it's like, you know, he'll get to know it a little bit better, but this goes to the whole like team defense side of it. You know, like the base running is one thing where it's just bad fundamentals. Um, And I still put that on, on players, but the defense, it's like, you know, they should play better defense. It's like, okay, well, give me better defensive players. You want me to play great defensive baseball? Then give me really good defensive players. Don't give me a bunch of bat-first guys and expect and then be surprised at the end of the year when we're not a good defensive team all around the field. Lou, uh, I know that the Red Sox needed some starting pitching at the deadline. Deals deals never materialized. I know that Bloom loves his prospects. How do you kind of view sort of Bloom and the way he has acted the last couple of of trade deadlines, it just feels like this is a guy who is maybe more into hoarding assets than maybe getting what is needed. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if you if you don't trade your your prospects and you continue to draft prospects, you know, your prospect status climbs, which is great, but your big league team doesn't get any better. So it's to me, it's like analytics. It kind of seems like a blind spot, and maybe it is kind of holding too tight to his prospects. I think that's probably it. Like, I think analytics is great. You know, it's part of the game of baseball. It is what it is. Like, and I think this uses for it. But when you get to the trade deadline and you start talking about prospect value and you start having a discussion with an analyst and saying, you know, is two months of a pitcher X worth giving up six years of cost control of this player who's in double A who's going to come to the big leagues and be with us for six years? Like, there isn't an analyst in They'll tell you to make that move. But this, it's not numbers. It's not about that kind of thought. It's about, yeah, I, I understand. We're giving up a prospect in double-A. By the way, I don't know if he's ever going to do it. I don't even know if he's going to give you six years of control. He might be out of the league. But this guy here helps us win in the big leagues. And I think that's just a mindset where it's very much like thinking of overvaluing a prospect and what the future worth is of that person. Or two months worth or a year and two months worth of a, another pitcher. And I think that's just, it's just a blind spot, to be honest with you. And I really think it really, it just really affects clubhouses. So Lou, if, if it is, if, if it is like his blind spot, his almost Achilles heel, do you think there's anybody in there that can say that he would trust or that he respects that can be like, Hey, listen, your, 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 your foundation is good, but it needs to be tweaked a little. Maybe start thinking like this. Yeah, I mean, listen, if, if there is, you know, I'm, I, you know, there's some guys around there that I know that have been not around for a while. Does he have any of his guys that tell him that? And how many of his guys are actually here? You know, you remember that was, I think it even came up like a while ago. It's like one of the biggest maybe mistakes was that really like all the front office guys kind of stayed with him and really didn't bring too many of his own, which when you look back, it's like, is that, is that a smart move? But um, so the question is, are his guys looking and say, listen, I'm with you with the analytics. I'm with you with the prospect value, whatever that equation may come out to be. However, you know, we just drafted two new kids. We just drafted 20 new kids. We just drafted three kids. Or two, one kid just jumped in the top 100 prospects. We drafted a kid last year in the second round that's now 35th in, in Roman Anthony. Like, we can replenish Trust, trust yourself that we can replenish through a draft, you know, and, and let's, let's make a, a bold, uncomfortable move. So I, I'm not going to pretend to know what the asking prices were for some of these guys. Maybe it's astronomical, and if I knew, I'd probably be like, well, Jesus, I wouldn't have done that either. But it's really hard to believe that you couldn't find one starter so your manager can reset a bullpen and have Schreiber and Bernardino pitch where they should in the sixth and seventh inning, not the first. 
and it really weakens your bullpen when you have to do that. Lou, what do you expect from Chris Sale tonight, and what is a reasonable expectation for the rest of the year for this guy? Yeah, tough question. I have no idea. I expect him to throw hard, you know, but he showed the first four or five starts that it's not about throwing hard when he got hit around. It's about locating. It's about having a feel for his changeup and his slider. You know, he had, he had a couple starts where he didn't have a slider and got hammered, you know, and then he had a couple starts where he couldn't find his changeup and got hammered. Then he had a start where he couldn't find location on his fastball and got hammered, you know, and but Looked like the guy hauled. So what do I expect out of the gate? I, I don't know. You know, I expect him to throw 96, use his change-up slider. The question is, does he have fastball command? You know, is his slider effective down in on righties? You know, and, and that change-up he sprinkled in. So it's it's hard to predict. And Is he going to be healthy? I don't know that either. You know, all I know is if he goes three good innings today, I'll, I'll, I almost feel like I'll just sit back and I'll toast to him and I'll appreciate those three innings because I don't know what's coming next. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he'd it. have more than five strikeouts? <laughs> that's going to be tough, Christian, because he's on an innings limit now. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Nick brought that up to up me. Said so on that on that Crawford thing out in Seattle. I think I hooked it up, and when he yeah. got six, I was like, "That boy's full." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's two and oh, two and oh, sneaky good at these things. <laughs> uh, hey, Lou, one other question from me, and I know we get to talk to Alex Cora every week here, and uh, it, it, there are times where he sounds frustrated, exasperated, like just all different kinds of emotions. What is your or what are your thoughts on how Alex Cora has sort of uh, hopped on and off the the waves of this uh, baseball team this year? Is he holding it together? I'm just curious for your thoughts on Cora kind of dealing with everything that I don't want to be punny, but that Heim Bloom has almost kind of thrown his way this season. I, I feel like for the week to ten days however long you want to go after the trade deadline is the worst time and has been for the last three years for both of those guys and for that relationship, if you want to call it, or the frustration or whatever you want to call it, because it's just, I don't know how it can't be, you know, the manager needs help, you know, and we always talk about core as a time, you know, is it time to move on? It's like, well, if you just want to do it to do it and change things, whatever. But you know, this <laughs> the last six, seven weeks, he said three starters, and he said three guys in the bullpen that don't belong in the big leagues. And he's tried to piece it together. And for five of those six or seven weeks, they had the best record in baseball. And it just sort of ran out because you start playing more games. This was, you know, the all-star break helped them continue to do that. So it's like right now, I think he just looked at it and I think he needed an arm. I think he just needed any arm, like I said. So he could have put Bernardino, his best lefty, and could bring him in in the sixth, could bring him in in the seventh against the lefty, his job. It's not to start. And then they have Schreiber in the seventh available when Winkowski's not. Not to start him. And that's the way it was there for like those couple of weeks. And I'm not talking about just the deadline, like the week leading into the deadline. Two weeks leading into the deadline. Not looking for Scherzer. Not looking for Verlander. You know, just a freaking body that can go five or six. So I just think the deadline's a bad time for him. Yeah, you know, Lou, even as you're talking, like I'm, I'm thinking about like how I view – the Patriots uh, season last year, like the farther I get away from that season, I realize how monumentally bad the decisions were. And I'm curious to feel like, you know, like when this season is over with as good as the team has been playing under those circumstances that you talked about, if they just would have done a little, things would have been better 
postseason could have been more realistic, but under now, with these circumstances, it se- it almost seems hopeless. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, they're not in a great spot. <laughs> you know, I mean, that weekend against Toronto kind of hurt, but um, yeah, you kind of look at it, and it's just sort of. Remember, I always talk to you about like my one criticism behind because there are lots of good things here, right? Obviously, there's a foundation being built. You know, I don't know. The house was supposed to be done in July. It might be done in November. You know what I mean? But it's, so it's a little taking a little bit longer than people would have liked. But um, my one criticism was always like he doesn't go far enough. You know what I mean? Like you look, I believe in bullpens. I believe in starting pitching, throwing strikes. I believe in defense. And it's like last year there was no bullpen. There was no first baseman. You know, this year there's no shortstop. There's no starters. You know, and it's like these are certain things where you just you can't win without. You know what I mean? And so the look at the last couple of years is, is it a flawed team? Yeah, it really is. The American League, I think, is really flawed, to be honest with you. So there's always the possibilities that, that just you never really know the last couple of years because of what wasn't done. Lou, what is the uh, schedule this week, this weekend? Where can we, where's Waldo? Waldo's going to be at the beach drinking Ooh. some high noon <laughs> or uh, something. Um and then I, I got to go to Washington. I do TV. I do Nest in Washington, New York, and then I'll do Radio Houston. So I got a long trip. Might be a couple of eighteen holes somewhere in between. Mm. But oh. I got a long trip, Washington, and then New York, and then Houston. So I got a little roadie coming up. Well, good stuff, Lou. We appreciate you, brother. Thanks for the uh, time. We always appreciate the chat. We'll do it next week. All right, guys. Enjoy the weekend. Talk there you go. There goes uh, the great Lou Maloney on the Harbor One Hotline.